0: Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash bookgeeksUNC. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. For you, the listeners, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. This week, I want to I recommend Coco Takes a Holiday by Kieran Shea. Really cool sci-fi adventure about an ex-mercenary who had a brothel basically kick back relax, was enjoying the you know the good life until a old friend of hers decided to send mercenaries after her so you know sex violence murder good times all the around to download your free audiobook today don't forget to go to audibletrial.com bookgeeks unc audibletrial.com bookgeeks unc Welcome to Book Geeks Uncompromised.
1: The entire series.
0: I don't know what it was about this book. I just, I loved it so much.
1: How do I know more about it than you do and it's your number one book? I'm bad with
0: names, okay? (laughs)
1: Spoilers, guys. And
0: we are ready for some reason.
1: When in doubt, be lame.
0: Everyone buckle up.
1: Welcome back to Book Geeks Uncompromised, where we make reading less solitary. This is episode 82. I am Danny here, joined with my co-host Greg. And today we are going to be reviewing The Mermaid by Christina Henry.
0: Now listen, listen, listen to this. Hold on. It's just us.
1: Oh, the silence. <laughs> Of course it was silent yeah. during the news section last week and then the other true, two true, true. joined us after.
0: Um if y'all missed last week we reviewed Flex by um Ferret Steinmetz. Thank you. I knew it was Steinmetz, <laughs> but I forgot the first name. <laughs> um uh we enjoyed having jordan and cameron on here from nerd book review yes no so, it was a lot of fun we, we give time. great but we had a lot of fun
1: with
0: them. <laughs> we had a great time and it was fun getting to dive back into more books because flex was fun but mermaid was good this week as well
1: mermaid was pretty good we'll get into that a yeah. little bit later although i'm i've got goodreads here pulled up um for when we do the synopsis right. later on mm-hmm. and i hadn't seen the uk cover I felt the same way about Lost Boy. The UK cover is so much better than, what the, hell? than the US cover.
0: <laughs> Who's their publisher? We need to talk to them about getting better USA covers.
1: Right? <laughs> I mean, the US cover isn't bad. Yeah. And it wasn't bad with Lost Boy. Just mm. the UK cover is better.
0: It was definitely better. It And that's funny because there's a lot of times... Um, it's crazy. I wonder why they do that. I'm, I'm tripping over myself, but I wonder why they change the cover for certain countries.
1: Well, in some cases, I think it's a case of there are different publishers... Okay. So, and the publisher is usually the one that commissions the artwork for a particular book. So it's kind of like a
0: sister company that's overseas, kind of thing.
1: Well, no. Oh, it's totally different. I I don't know how it works or why it works that way. Because like Orbit is both in the U.S. and the U.K., but for some reason, if something publishes Orbit in the U.K., it doesn't necessarily almost ever publish Orbit in the U.S. I guess. So I don't understand it, but
0: I'm sure they have people behind it that view statistics or they look at demographics and they decide, well, we think this book will be really good in the UK, and if we decide to send it to America, we will, or vice well, versa. Well, and it
1: might be, too, that when a author's agent is trying to sell the books to a publisher, they get a better deal with two different it's, publishers. Oh, uh, yeah. And, and that might be the case. I don't know. As far as the artwork, though, like I said, I think the artwork is commissioned by the publisher. Yeah. So if Harper Voyager has this cover, mm. then... Orbit or Tor or whatever one. has a different one. It has, has to make their own.
0: Well, you look at like... Uh, I think
1: it, it might also be, like you said, different demographic might, mm-hmm. um, different things might appeal. Yeah, different cultures might different, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: respond differently. I know you look at... The best example I can think of is the Percy Jackson books have the very original... Percy Jackson, The Lightning Thief was like a gray cover and it had a lightning bolt and inside lightning bolt were different monsters and creatures and, hmm. and it was cool. It was interesting and fine, but I love the artwork of what you'd now find it on the shelf mm-hmm. and it's of Percy in the ocean holding the lightning bolt. Yeah, the that's Empire the only State one body. that I know. Yeah, that one is really cool say so it is interesting and i know rick riordan has shared a lot of the different artwork covers mm-hmm. for the different countries where percy jackson's been and it's it's kind of cool and interesting to see the different takes the different views yeah. some of the artwork is awesome too
1: well and i like i've noticed some with uk covers mm-hmm. even though stories are separate are completely separate like brandon sanderson's do this too mm-hmm. um the UK covers almost follow the same theme.
0: Oh, I know. And I love... Even
1: though it's like different series, completely different stories.
0: love the Stormlight Archive UK covers.
1: Well, the Mistborn covers are very similar. Are they? To those. Yeah. Oh, very nice. Oh, yeah. I
0: love it. Because you look at like... Because uh, I know the one I have on my shelf for sure um, is the second book. Words um, of Radiance. Yeah, yeah Words of right, Radiance. Right. Um, I have that one on my shelf. And it's like just having them next to each other is such They're a stark contrast. Different. A very yeah. white cover... Versus the very colorful, really cool one. Words of Radiance has—they're both awesome, and I love them. Mm-hmm. So basically, what I'm saying is keep the artwork coming.
1: <laughs> so, in case anybody couldn't tell by right. our rambling about other things, there's like no news this week. <laughs> I what are you talking about? Nothing. Like I mean, <laughs> the only thing I think that came up this week was the British British Fantasy Society um, announced their shortlist for all their various things uh, i think it's going on to a jury stage so nice. it's past the voting stage i mean there there are a bunch of different sections there's stuff from just best anthology best artist audio collection uh, graphic novel best fantasy novel best film there's oh, God, probably at least 20 20 <laughs> different uh categories here
0: Yeah, I know we've mentioned it before, but we go artwork. I always go straight for Kings of the Wild. Yeah. Actually, uh, well, he's not British. He's Canadian. Oh, okay. So it's only British authors? It's not? Mm -hmm. Oh, okay, okay.
1: Yeah, no, so for artwork... Uh, best Artist just shows the artist's name, not the book. So I, unfortunately, am not overly familiar with them.
0: Oh, gotcha. Okay. Well, so sorry, sorry. Sorry, Nick. I tried. Yeah, sorry, Nick. I tried. <laughs> he tried. I tried to get you in. <laughs> but
1: it's funny. R.J. Barker is on the list a couple times. Oh, so yeah. I mean, he's So he's probably like, Nick, just sit down. <laughs> <laughs> it's me. nice to be in some <laughs> You're not winning everything and automatically.
0: Oh, uh, I love the Age of Assassins cover. I love. Yeah. Yeah. They oh, are, those and then Blood of Assassins. Blood Kingdom of Assassins. Assassins looks pretty good, too. Yeah, it too. does. They are really good good that one's that's coming out soon that's ones ones we, we need to jump on
1: <laughs> well blood of assassins was really good. king of assassins yeah. isn't out yet right 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 no. right, right, right so i don't know I, I'm, I'm shocked that there's like no tv or movie adaptations
0: <laughs> We're going on like I, how are
1: we supposed to subsist and have our news segment if nobody's talking about any adaptations
0: so are you saying we need to start casting different book adaptations that's the segment you want to do that's it because i'm so good at things <laughs> like that well it's 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 crazy how these different adaptations that are coming out, how many there are. Like, I know, I guess Lord of the Rings technically has already been, you know, adapt, adapted. Right. Um, but that new one's coming out. Um, it, Nothing's been announced, but I know Brandon Sanderson has some in the works, at least. It's not the rights were sold. For so
1: long, though. Like, yeah. that's been talked about for so long. That yeah. I will believe it when I see it.
0: Exactly. That's more of the rights have been sold, but, you know, right. no casting's been done. No script has been announced that's been written, right. so... Um, but it's crazy, just how many have been coming out lately? Do you think there's some kind of like, I guess, trend that's hitting
1: right now? I mean, I think that it's cool to be a nerd.
0: Yeah, now. it's awesome to be it's, a nerd.
1: It, it's not like, um, you know, your mom's basement, confined yeah. to your mom's basement, kind of thing. Like it was. Why did you look
0: at me when before? you said that?
1: I because you're the only person in the room, <laughs> and I'm looking at the person I'm talking to. <laughs> defensive much? <laughs> Damn
0: it! <laughs> she was right. Um, no, no, was, yeah. I,
1: I think that's what it is. Is mm-hmm. it's a whole new demographic that's being appealed to, and that money is getting put behind. Oh yeah. Um, it's, it's for producing huge. these things from
0: from movies to TV shows to, to all those things they're hitting off. You look at Game of Thrones, how big that has gotten, how mm-hmm. how huge that show is, because people who don't read love that show. Mm-hmm. And so, I, and I think that's another thing. These these shows, at least if they're done well they do reach out to those people who don't read books and have convinced people to read books when
1: it gets to the budget, because I feel like for a long time books that they tried to adapt into movies or something were either confined to cartoons, Mm -hmm. which has a much smaller demographic. I mean, you're getting kids and people that already like it. Yeah, And that's
0: it Again you're looking at me No I'm just <laughs> Sorry Okay Sorry. I'm not going to look Sorry. at Brett <laughs> For the rest of the podcast Sorry <laughs> um,
1: um, Or um, You get poor production value Yeah exactly uh, Yeah this is <laughs> I've got to turn and look at you okay. You're
0: okay. just going to have to Get over something defensive <laughs> um, Examples uh, And it it drives me crazy, and, I, and I, I'm sure every book lover feels this way. Um, when I hear a movie from a book getting made, I get excited. And I'm like, oh, cool. Hopefully it'll look like this in my head, and it'll look like that. And I'm excited for this. And it comes out, and you're like, this is nothing like the book. They've completely changed it. Right. I think the first example that comes to my head of that uh, is Aragon. Right. Um, while there were details they kept, mm-hmm. and the basic plot was kept most everything else felt so changed
1: yeah so because of that i kind of go into adaptations kind of with a skeptical mindset like Mm i i don't generally get excited about them too much anymore Right. and the thing with that is and it's an issue with all of the adaptations like across the spectrum is you're in changing the medium of the way this story is told, from a book to a movie or TV show, or something on screen, you're kind of fundamentally changing the way that the audience experiences it. So in the book, it's so much easier to be in the mind and feeling the emotions of these people, of of the characters, and that has to be portrayed very differently Mm -hmm. on screen. So because of that, you know, things that were hugely emotional in a book Mm -hmm. might fall flat on a screen if you just did a 100% strict retelling.
0: Completely agree. I think a great example of that is before Hunger Games came out. I know I was worried that they wouldn't be able to... I wouldn't be able to connect with Katniss like mm-hmm. you do in the original book. Because it's all in her head. It's all from her point of view. All what she's thinking and what's going on. It's not... I don't... I don't remember. Was Hunger Games first person or was it third person? I don't
1: remember.
0: I want to say it was first person. I, I think, think it was. I think it was. I think it was first I person. Was. I was thinking it's through Katniss was telling the story. Um, so I would remember being worried about that when the movie was coming mm-hmm. out. That they weren't going to be able to capture that. Um, but I think... I think with that one, they did really good with the writing and Jennifer Lawrence is just mm-hmm. a, a good enough. and uh, Good enough to sounds bad. She's a great actress that she was able to convey it well enough. Right. Um, but again, that goes to the point with production. And, and it, they, Yeah, it's, it's not just yeah. her. It's, right. the, it's
1: the whole team of, of you know shifting the events just enough right. and presenting them in maybe a slightly different way so that it is more impactful for mm-hmm. a, an audience that's viewing it rather mm-hmm. than reading it.
0: Yeah, and, and while I feel like they screwed up with the the last book and how they did the movies, beyond that, I yeah, think they did the really well. Grab. 100%. Um, I think they did really well ad- adapting from Hunger Games to the movies. They portrayed everything. Woody Harrelson was perfect as Haymitch. Yeah. As soon as I heard he was playing Haymitch, I was yeah. like,
1: yes. Yeah, and uh, no, when I was younger, mm-hmm. uh, you know, because I was, was, am, <laughs> a big Harry Potter nerd, you know, yeah. I think I was 13 13, I think, yeah. when the first movie came out. Yeah. And, you know, back then it was, oh, well, this is different from the... And this is different, and this is different, and this is different, and then... Rah, rah, rah. Yeah. And now I look back and I'm like, but they told the same story.
0: Yeah, they did. They did that really was the well. important
1: part. They told the same story. Yeah, that's definitely. They were faithful to who those characters are. Yeah. They might have shifted things, omitted a few things, mm-hmm. but they were faithful to the heart of the story.
0: For sure. It definitely they still told the same story, but in a new visual and a new medium in a really well done way. And got kudos to, um, Daniel Radcliffe, Emma, uh, Emma Watson and Rupert Grant for doing that for what? Nine years, eight Something years.
1: Something like that. I don't even know.
0: Yeah. It was ridiculous. The amount like that's, that's half, you know, as a kid, that's half your Those life. Are, yeah, they they grew
1: up <laughs> they, making Harry Potter. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's Danny Radcliffe's actually talked about how he cringes watching the, the old movies because oh, he sh- he sees his old mistakes and stuff, being you know a critic of himself. Right. Exactly, he cringes at it because it's like, oh, that was so bad. Why did I do that? Oh, well, and
1: child actors are. Yeah, I mean, you got you got to cut him <laughs> yeah, slack. You
0: right? do. You do. You
1: got to cut him slack. Um, like, honestly, I can only think of one child actor, and I'm gonna look up his name. Mm-hmm. That like I was just completely blown away by like there mm-hmm. there's some that are good yeah um for sure i mean obviously we very much loved Dan- Dan- loved daniel radcliffe but mm-hmm. as a kid of course his acting was flawed yeah um let's see what's his name um but it was the movie adaptation for um a monster calls oh, okay uh what was that patrick ness i think is that author's name mm-hmm. no so the main character connor he's like 11 or 12 i think yeah uh and i'm trying to look okay but he's he's 16 now yeah um so what this movie's maybe two years from maybe two years ago Yeah, about so. 14 he's okay. that's film, still, 13, child 14, 14. Still. still child actor still child actor dude he was amazing oh, was in he? that movie that's Yes. awesome that's he good. did because th- that book is so emotional the story so <laughs> emotional and yeah. i felt like he portrayed it wonderfully
0: yeah i i think with with adaptations and this and this kind of goes into just any kind of adaptation not necessarily just from a book the big thing, like you said with Harry Potter, is I want it to tell the same story. I want it to, I want it to tell the same story that the book did, and not, and that doesn't have to be exactly page by page by page. They need to recreate everything. Um, this isn't necessarily a book, but how bad the Last Airbender was. Mm-hmm. That was they had great source material. They had a a fantastic cartoon that was loved and many people enjoyed. And when it came to movie time, they changed everything.
1: Yeah, yeah. And it just,
0: like... it, it just, it, it frustrates me because it's like, okay, yes, you need to make your own thing. You need to make something new that'll put butts in seats. Great.
1: But you've got to ask, what do yeah. people love about it? Yeah.
0: And honor it. At right. least honor it. Change things up. That's fine. Like the stupidest thing for that movie was they, they changed the characters' names. Because Amy yeah, like Night Shyamalan was like, oh, I want to do the, uh, you know, original Indian pronunciation that it's supposed to be done. Like, Ang from the cartoon was Ong in the movie. And it's just like, why? That's frustrating, too. Like, I was a dedicated yeah. fan of the show, so it's frustrating. Yeah, something like, like that. Yeah. yeah. It's, so with, with books, with adapting from anything, just honor the source material. Don't crap on the source material. Right.
1: <laughs> just to make your own thing and...
0: Yeah. It's cool to make your own thing, but... It, I, I'm i obviously a fan of this thing and if I come to your movie and it's crapping on the thing I love I'm not right. gonna like your movie right yeah rant over rant over
1: <laughs> okay yeah, I guess we're done yeah that's with our non-news section love... we've rambled enough I suppose it's time to move on to what people came for
0: way of kings I'm looking at you you better <laughs> don't kill <laughs> me becomes...
1: the thing yeah. is that the Stormlight Archive would need such a massive budget To pull off,
0: it's Game of Thrones budget,
1: at least, at least, at least. Um,
0: Yes, the magical abilities. Yeah, uh, yeah.
1: You need that would need a massive budget. So I don't know, because I guess I guess the Game of Thrones following wasn't. I mean, obviously not nearly as big as it as it is now as when it was signed on. Well, you
0: got to think the original Game of Thrones, at least the first season there wasn't a whole lot of special That's effects. True. That's so true. So I, I can say at least the first season, they were able to get away with some of that stuff because they didn't have... they. I mean, they had the dragons a little bit
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, near the end, but they didn't have the kind of CGI they need now.
1: That's fair. Um. That's fair.
0: Way of Kings probably would.
1: <laughs> Way of Kings would need it pretty from the early outset. On, from it, pretty early would. on. Now, I guess the good thing is, that, like we were saying, um, it's cool to be a nerd now. There's yeah. money oh, for production companies in... uh um, Everything. What's the word I'm looking for? For for appealing to yeah. fandom right. and things like that. Mm-hmm. So maybe things like Game of Thrones have paved the way for an out the door massive budget for something yeah. like Way of Kings.
0: Yeah, I mean, and the Stormlight Archives is a popular enough series. I I hope that some movie producers will be like, yes, Sanderson, write the script. Go for it. It's all you. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yes, let Brandon Sanderson do it. I'm, I'm okay with that. <laughs> All right, I've this, gushed enough. Yep
1: yeah, we we have the this week like we said we yes. are reading read, the Mermaid <laughs> by Christina Henry. It's the same author that wrote a Lost Boy, which we right. had a spoiler spoilery review for last year. If yes. you would like to check that out,
0: it's good times. She
1: does a lot of fairy tale mm-hmm. retellings, and that's kind of what this one is. It's also yeah. kind of historical fiction a little it's bit, a little bit of both. It's
0: based off of uh, off of it's true, I guess. Yeah. It is based off true material.
1: It is. Yes. Two of the main characters yeah. are. It's not like a Little Mermaid retelling or something no. like that. Which,
0: which, oh, sorry. We'll, I've, yeah, no, we'll I've on
1: read that. some books like that that are actually pretty good. But well, all yeah. I was going
0: to say, I thought uh, the one guy, uh, Barnum, I thought he was going to actually like name her Ariel at one point because he said something about yeah. Amelia is not really a good name to use. And yeah. so I was like, oh, God, he's going to like, it's Ariel. I kept waiting for it. Too. <laughs> That's what I thought was going to happen.
1: <laughs> OK, so time for the synopsis for The Mermaid. "'Once there was a mermaid who longed to know more than her ocean home and her people. One day a fisherman trapped her in his net but couldn't bear to keep her. But his eyes were lonely and caught her more surely than the net, and so she evoked a magic that allowed her to walk upon the shore. The mermaid Amelia became his wife, and they lived on a cliff above the ocean for ever so many years until one day the fisherman rode out to sea and did not return.' P.T. Barnum was looking for a marvelous attractions for his American Museum and he'd heard a rumor of a mermaid who lived on a cliff by the sea. He wanted to make his fortune and an, and an attraction like Amelia was just the ticket. Amelia agreed to play the mermaid for Barnum but and she believes she can leave anytime she likes. But Barnum has never given up a money making scheme in his life and he's determined to hold on to his mermaid.
0: Yeah this, this story is it's, it's such an interesting story with with Barnum and his money-making schemes and, and Amelia just trying, uh, the mermaid, just trying to get her freedom back.
1: Um, yeah, so how she kind of loses her freedom is interesting, too. And we'll, it is. Yeah, yeah, we'll absolutely get to that. So the book, like we said, it's kind of historical fiction. It's yeah. set in the 1840s. Mm-hmm. P.T. Uh, I think Barnum. it's like 1845, 46. I think
0: so. It's, it's, something like that. It, yeah. it
1: says occasionally. Um, but it's the 1840s. And I want to say P.T. Barnum was in in real life one of like the – Founding fathers, almost, of circuses, of the traveling circus.
0: He was an American showman, politician, and businessman, remembered for promoting, celebrated hoaxes for, for founding the Barnum and Bailey Circus. Yep. Um, as well as, I want to say, at the end of the book, uh, the author did say something about the Fiji Mermaid. Yes. Um, and that the Fiji Mermaid, which in the book is what uh, Amelia is called. That's what they call Amelia. Um, that it was an actual hoax that P.T. Yeah. Barnum did. yeah.
1: So Uh, it calls off, it, yeah, plays off of that a little bit. And then his um, attorney friend, sidekick, Levi Lyman, he was also in real life partnered with Barnum. Right. And then kind of disappeared after the mermaid. Like he just never popped up in... Relation to Barnum ever again,
0: right? And I, I was just curious, real quick, because I I didn't go look up what the Fiji Mermaid was. Uh, the Fiji Mermaid was the half skeletal, half fish thing oh, that was introduced okay. in real life. Barnum showed that off, saying this was a mermaid, you know, found in Fiji, um, but it turned out to be just the head of a juvenile monkey sewn to the back half of a fish. Gotcha. So, because that was that was Barnum's, he was known for. Making up things and people would believe him and believe, him and then go, "Oh wait, no, it's a hoax. It's not real." Mm-hmm. He was popular for that, so.
1: Yeah, and that monkey fish does make an appearance in the story. As it well. does,
0: yeah, because it's actually like when they decide to go look for a mermaid. There's a guy there trying to sell the the half fish, right. half monkey thing to him. <laughs> <Fish> <laughs> half monkey, right? That's so gross. <laughs> it is. Like who who decides that that's a thing? Who well, you
1: can't go overboard and attach a human corpse to it. So yeah, let's go that, with a monkey. That
0: would be kind of disproportionate. Too. Yeah, you'd have
1: to do like a child or yeah. something.
0: So, and that's just gruesome. Yeah, we're getting
1: really gruesome. So it this is, is not of, a grim dark book. No, it isn't.
0: <laughs> so it's it's definitely interesting seeing. Uh, the way that this is based off historical fiction because when i started the book i didn't know that Mm -hmm. like i knew the name pt barnum in my head it was like i think that was a circus guy but i didn't really know who he was so it is really interesting to see it based off of and not not only pt barnum i know you mentioned levi Mm -hmm. levi as well and one of the other main characters is based off a real guy too of the same name yes um which is crazy
1: i think that christina henry says in her like author's note at the Mm -hmm. end that she did kind of take liberties with barnum's character Mm -hmm. and i mean i've i found that it fit pretty well i mean honestly i don't know anything about barnum or who he was as a person in real life
0: if if it says anything when i googled him um there was two pictures old pictures of him the third one was trump i don't know why but If that that's that's fascinating, that's hilarious. I'm gonna
1: go Google now, see if it does the same thing for yeah, me. That's what
0: it did. Like the third one was Trump under under PT Barnum.
1: PT Barnum. Let's see what it does. I'm kind of
0: looking because I'm curious.
1: Images. Okay, no, it doesn't do. That oh, it didn't me. do it for me. No. I can show you. Oh no. It. Okay, it's a little bit further down. Oh, so <laughs> it's a little bit. Further
0: down. I don't know why it does that, but.
1: Um, it looks like they're comparing the way they look, but... Maybe. I don't know. Because, see,
0: like, look, if you see it right here, and sorry, yeah. the audio podcast, it's the third picture. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway... Anyway, um, Sorry, sorry, the audio podcast for doing visual things. Yeah. It's still... I think that's really cool. Like, I didn't know that it was based off real event or real right. things that happened. Um, It's definitely... The fictional story is definitely bigger, and there's a lot more to it. But... It's still really cool, kind of connecting to real life.
1: Okay, so we... Okay, I guess we're already on the topic of Barnum, so let's yeah. go ahead and talk about him. Yeah. Um, so he's pretty much exactly what the synopsis makes him sound like he's a salesman. He's looking for the next big thing that's going to make him a couple bucks, hopefully more than a couple bucks. And, hey, there's a woman that might be a mermaid. And this is set in a period of time where slavery still existed in the U.S. Uh, It does take place in New York, so there's no slavery in New York, but it is something that they kind of live beside.
0: Yeah, it's it's definitely there. Um, And it's interesting, and it's one of the reasons... It's funny because I didn't like P.T. Barnum, but I understood him, and I understood his character, and I think that's what you're supposed to do because he's he's very money-hungry, but at the same time, it's not – I don't know. It doesn't feel like it's greed. It feels like it's more of a pride thing. It feels like he's definitely more I want to get the one over on everybody.
1: It might be both. Maybe a little bit of both? Okay. Because it wasn't just about the one over. It was also constantly about ticket sales, ticket sales, ticket sales. And oh, well, that's going to cost me a fortune. And I just bought you all these dresses. That's going to cost me so much money. I mean, it was constantly penny-pinching. There
0: was one part where they talked about, Levi was talking about um, hotels. Mm -hmm. Whenever they went with Amelia to Brooklyn at one point, you know, they didn't, they didn't live in a shabby, they didn't stay in a shabby little hotel, but it wasn't, you know, super nice and everything. It was just, it was cheap one that Barnum could find. And Levi said something about, now, if she had been the mermaid and she was popular and out there, he said we would have been in a five-star, gotten yeah. anything we wanted, because it's all about showmanship for Barnum. Right. And what I like with this character is he does have a backstory. He's not just... Oh, he's the money grubbering, you know, money grubbering greedy guy. He actually kind of has a reason for being the way he is. And I don't know. I liked it, but I didn't like him. Like, you're not supposed to like him. You'd have to
1: argue that he's, if not the villain, then he's definitely a symbol of villainous concepts, maybe, which we'll be getting into because there was like some racism, sexism, the concept of owning people, gender roles, yeah. Um, yeah, gender roles for sure. So he, he in that way, I think he was kind of yeah. He did personify it. So in that way, though he was villainous, I think he was well written as a dynamic character that he had this backstory that yeah. you could kind of sympathize with. Yeah, but at, still not like it at the
0: same time. Like that when he did his backstory, it's like okay, I could see it. The next thing, what a fucking douche! Mm-hmm. You know, you're just you're, <laughs> you're just like all right you had me for a second and then you said that. <laughs> then, then, then you ruined the second. Second's over. Good second. feeling's gone now. Good feeling's gone now. <laughs> so he, yeah, he was, he was well done. Yeah. Uh, moving on, I guess we can move into Let's, Levi. We've talked about okay, him a little sure. bit. Okay, sure.
1: We'll save Amelia for last. Yeah, main, main point of main, view character for main last. Main for last.
0: Uh, Levi is kinda he's kind of interesting because he's the middleman. Yeah, he's uh, he kind of gets feelings for Amelia uh, early on Mm -hmm. and he becomes the buffer between Barnum and Amelia. And he's trying to help her and he's trying to keep Barnum happy at the same time. Um, He definitely personifies and shows off the the passiveness, I guess, of the good people who do see the bad in the world. Yeah. But they just roll with the punches. They don't. They don't try to fix it. They instead go. This is how it is. I'm just. You know. It is how it is. Don't. You, you, we can't change it.
1: Maybe it's the lack yeah. of things that are really known about Levi Lyman in real life. But I felt like his character was not as well crafted. I think so. I mean, he wasn't bad. Yeah. He he wasn't a bad character, and I think that he served his purpose very well. Yeah but he wasn't as dynamic it was everything was from the start almost about you know uh, enchantment by amelia and eventually he he fell in love with her and that kind of drove his character a lot of times it seemed until maybe a little bit later
0: on yeah a little bit later on there just wasn't
1: much else to him
0: yeah yeah now he definitely served the purpose though of of showing the the good people who do realize something's wrong but don't do anything about it. Right. Which, the, yeah, yeah,
1: well, yeah, we got the themes yeah, to the talk themes. about. And it's,
0: and, it's, and it's funny because throughout the whole book, Levi constantly, not He doesn't talk bad about Barnum. He's not, like, crapping on him all the time. But he definitely goes, yeah, Barnum's this way.
1: He constantly he feels the need leaves. to protect yeah. Amelia from Barnum.
0: But he never leaves. But he
1: never... Yeah. He, yeah. It's never I think, powerful enough. I think
0: Barnum be. actually says something to him about that at one point. He's like, you know, you complain about me a lot, and you you know, you know, go against me. Right. But you don't leave. Mm-hmm. And Barnum points it out to him, and Levi's just like, yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> he's very much just that, yeah, that lackluster kind of character. Yeah.
1: So, Amelia.
0: Amelia, the mermaid. Amelia,
1: the mermaid. She
0: is a legit mermaid.
1: She is a legit mermaid. <laughs> so her whole story of you know the the whole story with Jack the fisherman that caught her in his net and then he let her go but she saw the same loneliness in him that she felt so yeah. they connected and they uh, you know they they married and they lived on the seaside until he grew old basically mm-hmm. Um, that part of the story was told very much like a fairy tale. It yes. was kind of dry, very brief, mm-hmm. um, not a lot of detail about it. Yeah. Just this happened, and then this happened, and this happened. It had the tone and feel of a fairy tale. Yeah, And then after his death is when it kind of changes. Um, but because of that more fairy tale-esque storytelling, mm-hmm. I felt like it took a while for her character to develop.
0: It did. It took it took a while. Because the... really, it doesn't hit... Kind of a turning point till about midway through, right? Like there's there is stuff that happens and events, but it is very kind of, and the best word is slow moving.
1: The only thing that I can say about her that I was truly impressed by up yeah. until that that you're talking about, which yeah. we'll get to in a minute, yeah, was that although she was a mermaid, so she's kind of you know an alien creature. Yeah. She's a part she she's lived on land for several decades, yeah. and she's been with Jack, so she, she knows in general how to live as a human yeah. she's never been to a big city right so when she gets to new york mm-hmm. i was impressed that instead of this whole almost like the scene in wonder woman yeah where like she shows up in london and she's gawking and everything yeah. and everything's so pretty and i don't know oh a baby i can just go pick up a baby from this yeah. woman you know things like that it didn't have a scene like that yeah she was
0: she did understand some of the customs. she
1: understood enough that she wasn't about to be pushed over because somebody assumed she didn't know anything She
0: she did at one point i do remember when she's talking to barnum's wife she says something about Oh, she said, like, it's it's her own, like, mental commentary. She says something back to, oh, she just said this, so I need to respond this way because this is what humans do. So yeah. she understands a little bit.
1: And yeah, but I like that she, when she showed up to this place that she's never been with mm-hmm. these all-new surroundings, because living in a little bitty fishing village in Maine is yeah. very different than living in New oh, York. yeah. yeah. She knew what she wanted. Yeah. And she wasn't going to be pushed around just because she was unfamiliar with her surroundings. Right. She was not a damsel in distress. She's no. like, this is what I'm here for. Yeah. This is what I'm going to get or I'm out.
0: <laughs> like, Levi, I don't actually need you. Back off, bro. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of the things I loved is in the story that the mermaid, her mermaid form was not a big, voluptuous, mm-hmm. beautiful woman. Mm-hmm. She was amphibious. She was scaly. She yeah. had sharp teeth. She had sharp claws. She had webbed fingers. Um, and I liked that because it made sense. Right. Because if, if Mermaids 1 hid so long from humanity, uh, and, you know, so obviously they lived way, way, way deep down, their bodies would be adapted for that. And their bodies would be set for that kind of living and right. eating. And so I definitely liked that, that it wasn't, oh, you know, Ariel. is you know She wasn't Ariel from The Little Mermaid. She was a... Uh, for lack of a better term, almost an animal. Yeah. Just just what mermaids are in this world. And I liked that. I liked that that touch of it, that it was, and it kind of added to some of the themes of the, you know, what is an animal, what isn't, Mm -hmm. kind of a little bit later on, because, you know, at the same time, then she's on land and she's a human. And it's, yeah, it throws a whole thing into it. But I loved that touch.
1: Yeah. I thought it was interesting that she was so curious about humans Mm -hmm. that she left her people in the sea. And I will say that it doesn't seem like we didn't get many details about her, her, about her people, her Mm -hmm. family, any, are they nomads? Do they Mm -hmm. have a specific area? Yeah, We didn't really get any information about them, which was a little bit disappointing for me, but ultimately it wasn't really part of us, part of the story.
0: No. And I think from the point, whenever the fisherman, whenever Jack catches her and lets her go, Um, she talks about she follows him for a long time. Yeah. And so she could go back, but, you know, the ocean's huge. Yeah. It would take her forever to find him again. Maybe. So she does say she swims a long way with Jack, and she kind of she's not paying attention to her where her family is and so she kind of loses them maybe um so but but i think uh, yeah l- like you said i definitely would have loved to have known more about them but they weren't the focus so. yeah they weren't the point it was yeah. no
1: but she she was so entranced by humus that she left her people yeah to be with him and she spent decades with him in sort of an in-between state because mm-hmm. she never really ingrained herself with the other people Mm-hmm. Humans, just yeah, she, Jack. She latched on Jack, and then she's not aging, yeah, as Jack does. So people kind of begin to notice that, and then you know Levi shows up saying, "Hey, I had a job for you with P.T. Barnum," and she goes because because what she wanted to, was, she wanted to explore humanity I, yeah. like she didn't at have first, a home yeah. in the ocean yeah she wasn't doing anything yeah. where yeah. she was she
0: said she said at first uh for, it goes at first she tells him screw off i don't need you you know i'm i'm fine where i am and then after leaves she thinks about it and she's like i'm just stuck here mm-hmm. and before i met jack i wanted to explore the world and i'm not exploring the world right so she's like i well, go do this i get paid a bunch of money And then I can leave and I can go with money to travel the world and see the world like I want to, Mm -hmm. um, which, and it's, it's interesting because she goes from, and I guess it's ironic is the word I'm going for that to be free, she has to put herself in a cage.
1: See, and that's one other thing that this is one of the themes that I noticed was she had no concept of people. Yeah um looking at other people as objects yeah so i think when she did that Mm -hmm. she did that with the mindset that i'm going to show myself to these other people and they'll be viewing me but i am still mine yeah and the first time she got in that tank and experienced it she realized that these people did not see no, her no. as a person, and of course, no. she looked as a fish for most of it. Like yeah. She was a human before she jumped in the yeah. Tank. They like and see then, her, so they yeah. See her transform, yeah. But they don't consider her in a in a way human yeah, at no, all.
0: They don't. They and and Barnum is a product of that as well. Barnum's the same way. Mm-hmm. He views her as as his as mm-hmm. his property. His mermaid. as his mermaid, as it says in the synopsis, and yeah, that. That first, that first showing, like, it, it's a culture shock to her. Yeah. It's huge. Because at first she's not really sure, and she's like, okay, let's get this done. I'm, I'm a little nervous, but it'll be all right. And then she does it, and it's like, bam. Yeah. And it's huge. It's um, this
1: big revelation for her.
0: Yeah, that... Yeah, yeah. That was it, that was a really cool theme that was brought up there.
1: Yeah, and I just the way that she never even considered that. Yeah, as a thing, like she had talked to Barnum, she knew who Barnum was and yeah. what Barnum wanted out of her, but she still had no concept that somebody could see her as a thing rather than a person. Yeah, and I think that that more than anything was why she agreed to it.
0: Right. Exactly. She
1: thought, "I'm just doing a job, but right. I am still me. Yeah, I'm exactly. still mine." And I, I mean that. Brought up that moment for her. Because up until that point in the story, honestly, I wasn't super into the story. It's going really slow. But right then, it kind of kicked off, like, this explosion of realizations and emotions for Amelia that made the book a lot more interesting. I mean, there was... I mean, obviously there was racism was yeah. a huge part of it. Oh, 100%. Of, you're not the same as me and therefore you're less.
0: There's, I think there's one point Barnum basically tells her, I was like, all right, you're going to be in it for you know the whole day. You're mm-hmm. going to be in the cage just swimming around showing off. And she's like, what about breaks and lunches? He's like, you don't need that. Yeah. That's going to that's going to hurt ticket sales. So right. you don't need that. Right. That's very much that v- Barnum was not viewing her as a human being. Mm-hmm. He was viewing her as his attraction. Right. You're a thing that I put in the cage and people will pay to see you. Yes. And and so that kind of plays into that that she he him and the viewing public view her as a thing and not a person. Mm-hmm. Even though she is. Right. And that's and that that's kind of cool cuz it does play on I guess it does it does play on on that In reality, like, what is... It
1: it plays on... In general, the yeah. idea of thinking of somebody as an object rather than a person, and right. that applies both in the way of racism, mm-hmm. um, both in the way of sexism, and it mm-hmm. especially touches on it within a marriage, where mm-hmm. a, a woman is supposed to cleave to her man mm-hmm. and trust him to make all the right decisions mm-hmm. for her and not question him. Well, yeah, and just become his accessory, basically.
0: Yeah, and that's and and Barnum and his wife are exactly the yes. the the embodiment the coin of the embodiment of that. Cause she's sweet, she's nice, she cares for Amelia, she takes care of her. But anytime Barnum's around, it's he's the master. Yeah, he takes over, and she's submissive to him. Mm-hmm. And it's it's just because it's that it's that time period. That's how things are. Unfortunately, I mean, that, can, and it
1: carries on to today. Though I it think does. That it's very 100%. much relevant to today.
0: 100 percent. Still happens all the time. Unfortunately, that in marriages, unfortunately, in traditional views, it is seen as the woman is the the home cleaner the kid you know right. takes care of the kids does all that and that's and that's it and the man goes gets the you know goes and gets the money and then comes back home and needs to be waited on hand and foot
1: yeah i i don't even think that this book really talked about gender roles so much as mm-hmm. equality in a marriage
0: yeah 100%. I, I mean in cha- that.
1: whatever that means yeah. for a specific marriage. It it's explored both in Charity and mm-hmm. Barnum's marriage as well as in another relationship um, mm-hmm. where later the couple on. gets married later on.
0: Yeah. It definitely it's definitely an insight and it's definitely cool. It's it's definitely cool to see that look at it how things are now in reality with with sexism and racism because unfortunately those things do still exist. Mm-hmm. There are people who still think you know, a guy is better for this. You know, he he could do this better. A woman just had you know, you stay over there. Uh, and it's not even yeah.
1: always that blatant. Yeah. They don't not always aware yeah. of it. Either. No, and that is where, like you were talking about Levi, where he came in. Yeah, because he's a good person. He is. He's kind. He cares. He, he's generous. He's, he's trying he's to trying, do his best for Amelia. He's yeah. He's trying to do what he thinks is best. Yeah. He's trying to protect Amelia's rights not just because you know she's a woman but because she deserves it and she and he knows that Barnum will try to take advantage of her yeah so but at the same time he feeds into the perpetuation of some of those themes of um there was some there was some discussion of savages in other nations and stuff and having to bring the word of Christ to them yeah and uh, Amelia really asking, "Well, why? What's wrong with the way they're doing things? Like, yeah. Why can't you just leave them alone and you do your thing, let them do their thing?" Yeah. And well, that's just not the way it's done, right? And it it, it goes back to making people objects and mm-hmm. making them the way that you think that they should be,
0: right? And because they're not doing the things that you think they should be doing, they're obviously wrong. How exactly. dare they? Yeah, that is that is definitely unfortunately big in our world today, still, uh-huh. and has been for a long time, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: I also, and and maybe this was just me reading into it too much, but yeah. I also felt a little bit with the whole concept of as soon as she stepped into onto her stage, into that tank, mm-hmm. and suddenly her life was not her own. She yeah. was followed everywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, people always wanted to talk to her and ask her questions and know yeah. what she's doing and oh, what are yeah. you eating and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I felt like there was a little bit of a metaphor there with movie stars oh, and yeah. TV stars with... with once they've been on that screen, yeah. then your life is not your own anymore.
0: And see, it's funny because at, at my job, every once in a while, I'll walk into the break room in the morning and TMZ will be on for whatever reason. And I'm outside. I'm literally out loud groaning. Who cares?
1: Yeah. it's, it's, it's you, a, be, you become an object for people's, well, yeah. what are they doing? Well, they shouldn't be doing that. Blah, blah, yeah. blah, blah.
0: Yeah. It's, it's, and, and Amelia definitely experiences that and deals with it. And Barnum plays that up because... Because Levi, at the beginning, acts like he was a researcher, that founder mm-hmm. in Fiji, and that was the fake story that they told everybody. Um, so he was a researcher. He wasn't Levi. Yeah. Um, and so at first, he was at the same hotel as Amelia. But then once Amelia got moved to Barnum Circus, they made a whole public thing about Barnum buying you know buying the Fiji right. mermaid.
1: <laughs> well, it just feeds into the whole again, objectification of people. Yeah. I mean, there's the racism and sexism like we've talked about, but there's also the objectification of movie stars Mm -hmm. and not seeing them as people that are free to live their own lives. They need to do (laughs) what you want them to do. Right. And their scandals and everything are yours to know because they've been on your screen. I I don't
0: care who Emma Stone is sleeping with. I don't care. I do. Well. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Greg, i follow her no Uh, (laughs) it just it yeah it's definitely crazy how celebrities and what amelia dealt with it became every waking moment everything she did like there was there was one part where there was a reporter like hanging from a rope off the roof of a hotel and was at her window with a camera ready to go as soon as she opened the curtains Mm -hmm. and started asking her questions it just it's it's insanity
1: so as you can tell, we we really enjoyed this yeah, story, but 100%. I do think that it has some weaknesses. Yeah, uh, mainly the pacing of the, of the storytelling. Yeah. Like I said, the slow start. If the fir- first fifty percent, I don't know, it was yeah. not engaging. I'm glad that it switched gears because that first fifty percent did not have me at all, it Or was, the last fifty percent did.
0: It was it was definitely interesting. I think I I would say I was interested. Um, it wasn't. Anything, I was like, ooh, I want to know what happens next. But it yeah. was definitely, I did, I did, I was curious about Amelia. I was curious about what was going to go on with her. Like I said, the whole, you know, mostly fish aspect when she turned to a mermaid got me excited from the beginning because I was like, that's different. So, uh, but yeah, for sure. Once it hits the second half and you start really seeing those themes and these characters and uh, <laughs> Levi not doing anything, um, <laughs> it just, it definitely d- got better. It definitely got better as it went.
1: Yeah, it did. Yeah. Except at the very end. <laughs> yeah. So the first fifty yeah. percent, and then the very end. So it was really good. It was like because this is kind of a short book. What the yeah. audio book is a little Eight, under nine hours. Nine, yeah. Um. So it was you know four, four and a half hours almost mm-hmm. of eh, and then oh wow, this is really good. I'm getting really into this. I'm really into minutes. it. Really <laughs> into it. And then the the landing at the end is just not stuck. It. It just falls yeah, really flat it, for me.
0: It definitely feels like she, either the author wasn't sure where it should go or she had a, uh, I'm just going to end it here. How
1: do I wrap this up? Let's, yeah, let's just let's, do it now. Let's, like a bandaid.
0: Let's just, yeah, get it done. Um, Which, you I mean, it was a fine ending. It was okay. Like It, it made wasn't, sense. It made sense. It fit with the story, but it definitely felt rushed rushed and maybe not as well thought out like not as stretched out and just kind of a yeah "Yeah, that sounds good yeah it'll work yeah it'll work it'll cover um but yeah overall thoroughly enjoyed it
1: yeah no overall definitely enjoyed it i just like i said i felt like it had a few pacing and storytelling issues
0: it's it's a lot like with her her i don't i don't know if lost boy was her first book no it was not okay the first book that we read uh, lost boy of hers it's it's an interesting style. I definitely like the style, and there's definitely a deeper meaning to her books and her stories. See,
1: Lost Boy for me was fast paced through the whole thing. It was like the entire time I was I need more next page next oh, page. Next it Oh, one hundred percent
0: was it was well paced. Um, but yeah, just I mean I mean the underlining meanings and what yes, is going on. Yes. She's really good about putting those in the books, and I, and I and I love, I love reading it and then going
1: oh, it's a book that makes you think a little. <laughs> it does, bit.
0: and that's great. It's I a love. book
1: that. Not only tells a story, but um, explores... Various concepts and themes.
0: Yeah. And while I love my kill the dragon, I do I right. do like I do like thinking sometimes. Thinking about
1: why we're killing the dragon.
0: Right. Why? What does the
1: dragon represent? <laughs> I'm
0: not, not saying where's the dragon or what is the dragon, but how is the dragon?
1: How is the dragon? Why is the dragon? <laughs> why is
0: the dragon? <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. I think that means we're tired. That time wraps around. it up for
1: our review of The Mermaid by Christina Henry. Yep. Uh, definitely check that one out. We'll have links to it in our review as well as in the podcast notes there will be links to Amazon where you can purchase Mm -hmm. it there if you do use that link it helps us out gets us a little bit of a commission so help support the show and there will be links for Barnes and Noble and Book Depository as well Uh, you can also find this one on Audible with that free
0: uh, book geeks, book geeks UNC, Audible C. trial, audibletrial.com dot com slash bookgeeksunc. Yes, thirty free days and one free book try yes. out That book you've been wanting to.
1: Absolutely. So next week, I think I don't know why we didn't do this this week, yeah. but we're going to be reading "Where Loyalty's Lie" by Ooh. Rob Hayes, the winner of the most recent Spiffo. round of Spiff Bow. Um, yeah, I don't know why we haven't read this book already. I
0: mean, if Gray Bastard says anything, it gets me excited for this one. So. Right,
1: <laughs> exactly.
0: So we know. When we... is this
1: one getting a, a traditional publishing deal? Right.
0: <laughs> Hopefully, well, if it goes to the same tradition, it'll be a year from now. So yeah. we'll see. Fair enough.
1: Fair <laughs> enough. Okay, but with that, that is it for this week. Once again, if you've read it or read any of Christina Henry's other works, you can find us on bookgeeksunc.com. Let us know what you think. On Twitter at bookgeeksunc, Facebook at two book, yeah, at two book geeks. (laughs) As well as you can join our Book Geeks Uncompromised group Group. on Facebook to chat with us and just have a good time. Sounds good to us. Uh, With that, everybody have a wonderful week. We'll see you next time.
0: Do lots of reading.